Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. Cleanup from the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, is ongoing, and officials have stalled the removal of hazardous materials. What are Pittsburghers saying about it? Plus, there's a teeny uproar about standardized tests again, and we've got a bunch of great ways to celebrate Black history and excellence all year long. It's March 3rd, the Friday News Roundup. I'm Megan Harris, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. I'm with CityCast producer Elizabeth Kalma and newsletter editor Francesca DeBecco. How's everyone doing today? Good. Good to be here in the studio. Feeling all right. I saw the buttercups or daffodils, whatever you want to call them, blooming in my neighborhood this morning. And it's really given me like palpitations about the state of the world. Like that's not supposed to be happening yet. No. Yeah, that's valid. It's too early. I actually wrote about this in yesterday's newsletter. Um, This warm winter is causing all sorts of confusion for local wildlife. So we are confused, too. (laughs) Well, you should be. I mean, it's been a month since the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Oh my gosh, a month? Really? It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but that's probably because it consumes our lives. (laughs) Right. Day-to-day news cycle, for sure. Yeah. Time is crazy. Um, I feel like definitely the news cycle has kept it top of mind. Which is important to note, I think, because I kept seeing people post that no one's talking about this and literally everyone I know is talking about this um, or publishing on it um, or on the ground in East Palestine. I have so much respect for the reporters out there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I want to talk about it, like what happened since we published that episode on it a while ago. Uh, One of the most important parts of this um, is what happened to the toxic chemicals after they spilled. Yeah, the EPA has taken over all of that now, the feds. Yeah, this week they said, speed it up. (laughs) Yeah, and right, they want Norfolk Southern to clean it up faster. Um, Contaminated soil and liquids were being shipped to Texas and Michigan for disposal like early on, Mm -hmm. which officials there were not expecting. (laughs) Oh my gosh, can you imagine? Like just (laughs) random... That's toxic not, material. It's not a surprise that I would like, um, personally. Uh, but that led to shipments um, out there being paused. Uh, but the EPA got it back on track um, after a day, and now they're being sent to waste disposal sites in Ohio and Indiana. Which people there are also not excited about. <laughs> yeah, they're going into an incinerator and an underground injection well, so being burned and put in the ground, pretty crazy. <laughs> I put this in the newsletter this week, but as of Monday approximately 4,832 cubic yards of contaminated soil had been taken there. Wow. That's a lot. Like, I can't even imagine, like, how much is left? Yeah, exactly. They're being taken where the EPA says 
it won't be able to hurt us. Um, but some of the damage has already been done uh, for people like the Ohio Department of Natural Resources um, spent days after the derailment collecting dead aquatic animals. And its director told WESA that the chemicals immediately killed some aquatic life within like a five mile radius of the accident. Honestly, Whoa. that's like less space than I would have expected. Really? Yeah. I don't know. It seems like not that's like it's a big footprint, but it's not as big as it could be. It's still super scary, though. And like for how small this town was, too. I know people Mm -hmm. just looking at their waterways, seeing all the dead fish. It's just, yeah, startling. The oil slicks, like the bubbles and the photos that have been coming up. Um, The Allegheny Front actually has been doing some really great work on this. Um, One of their reporters, Julie Grant, lives super close to there. Um, And the New York Times is on it, too. They reported that people who live in East Palestine or around it have been getting headaches and rashes. Yeah. So like classic chemical exposure. Mm -hmm. And while some of these things aren't supposed to hit us here in Pittsburgh, I don't think that's how the Ohio River flows, but obviously not an expert. Um, But only time will tell, I guess. Yeah, I feel terrible for the people in East Palestine, though, especially with this whole issue being turned into like a political blame game with like Democrats blaming the Trump era deregulation. Um, Which is sort of true. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's not the only thing, but it's sort of true. Yeah. The New York Times says it's it, it, this probably still would have happened um, without that deregulation. But And we go know. into this in the podcast, but there's all kinds of issues with the mechanics of the train and how that stuff is being inspected. Definitely make sure you check it out. We'll have it in the show notes. Yeah. And I mean, Republicans are also getting in on this. They're criticizing Biden, saying his response wasn't good enough. Um, so really, it's become like a whole political fight. Yeah. Trump actually went there while Biden was in Ukraine talking about the war. Aaron Brockovich even (laughs) went to East Palestine to warn people not to trust anything that the corporations are saying, which honestly, good advice. Yeah. Is it all finger pointing, though? No, it's not all finger pointing. This incident has sparked like a push for more regulations and lawmakers have introduced bills in both the House and the Senate. So we like keep on watching what's going to happen and we'll let you guys know. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art. Eat gourmet snacks, people watch. We'll mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. Let's talk now about everyone's favorite life experience, <laughs> high school. <laughs> what clique were y'all in? I was a smart loner semi-goth, uh, but some of that was just perception because honestly, I was just really into this one hoodie and I refused to wear anything else for like two years. 
<laughs> I love that description. Yeah. I rolled deep with the AP kids and the orca dorks. What um, is an orca dork? <laughs> orchestra dork. Oh my gosh, I love I that. I was thinking like... The, the the animal aquatic, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um viola nation for life our listeners can't see but i'm currently doing the vape nation sign oh my gosh um you're amazing yeah francesca what about you i was also hanging with the honors kids the nerds but my favorite place to eat lunch was the newspaper room surprise surprise what a journalist <laughs> we did not have one of those <laughs> i mean it was just like a computer lab but like it was my safe space right <laughs> um well in pennsylvania here graduation requirements are changing um it has to do with something i remember reporting on years ago but thankfully never had to endure mm-hmm. y'all are younger than me though so i bet you did do you remember the keystone exams I sure do I remember having to take like a whole day of lessons like off and all my teachers stressing about how how they were going to cover that content now that they didn't have a day to do it I think it was a part of the pilot phase because I vaguely remember taking them because I don't think I passed the science one (laughs) so you would not have passed high school then no I wouldn't have graduated (laughs) oh my gosh Um, so all of this is part of act 158 that passed a few years ago public source has this super comprehensive piece about the changes and how people are feeling about them Uh, definitely check it out Um, but Basically, it's that kids now have different ways to pass high school that aren't entirely based on a fancy Scantron. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we'll definitely link to that piece. Not going to lie, I am a great test taker and standardized tests don't really phase me. Good Um, for you. (laughs) For real. (laughs) Humble flex. um, That may be because I grew up with them. I was always taking them. I don't really remember a time when I wasn't. Yeah. But I do think that they are very harmful for education in general. I mean, I always found the prospect of taking time away from learning really frustrating, especially since there was no real educational benefit to me as like a student in taking those types of tests. Agree completely. Yeah, yeah same feelings. Uh, although I'm different than you, kind of the opposite. Standardized tests always made me nervous. I can almost smell the pencil lead now. <laughs> My sweaty hands would like always curl up those flimsy scantrons. I had like <laughs> I mean, I took them. It was a totally different kind of testing system. But I just remember thinking how sad it was in the rooms because I don't know if they did that in Pennsylvania, but like the teachers had to cover all the pretty like pictures that they put up Mm -hmm. and like had it just the room got dark and kind of depressing for the week of testing. The one perk was that you were allowed to chew gum because apparently it helped you focus. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I wish we'd had that. (laughs) I always fell asleep during them. It was a problem. Oh, Oh, my God. I feel that. I used to have nightmares that I would like skip a question and realized last minute that I had filled out all the bubbles like one ahead um, and all my answers would be marked wrong because they were like answered for the question ahead. Um, so, you know, that's a little trauma to unpack. Uh, <laughs> but I guess what uh, what are the new ways to get a diploma if you don't have to do that? Yeah, back on track. Um, so you can pass all the Keystone exams. That's number one. Um, you can also get a passing composite score. Um, so maybe you did worse on one, but you did way better on the other two. You still There's still a minimum for all three, but it at least gives you a little more flexibility. Um, you can take advanced placement tests, so AP tests. You can do really well on college and entrance exams like the ACT or the SAT. You can take a career and technical education course, CTE, education, love an acronym, Mm -hmm. or you can complete an evidence-based requirement. Um, So that can include like proof of having a full-time job offer right after high school. Wow. So that's probably these things is probably how I would have gotten around not passing that science one. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it sounds like it's more flexible. But I'm guessing, you know, all of this talk about school funding not being fair in Pennsylvania isn't really helping. Nope. If you missed that, a Commonwealth court judge ruled that the way our state contributes money to schools isn't equitable. Um, so some kids and schools are getting more money than others. Um, officially, they called it unconstitutional, but in real terms, it means exactly what you think. Mm. The type of education you get depends on where you live. So more flexibility in theory is a good thing, but it also means that schools have to provide more resources to offer all of these options. Yeah, and we had a whole episode about that. We'll link it in the show notes. And February wrapped up this week. Um, Francesca gave us so many cool ways to celebrate Black history and excellence all year long in Monday's newsletter. Um, I'm hoping you'll share some with our listeners now. Yeah, I mean... First, maybe the most obvious is the Heinz History Center. It's been forever since I've been there, though. Um, I have to make a trip someday soon. But have you guys been recently? No, I don't think I've gone since I was a child um, because I am, you know, a little bit of a homebody. Only for CityCast business. Um, but I would love to go back, you know, just as a Pittsburgher. Yeah, maybe we should do a CityCast field trip. That'd be fun. For sure. There is an exhibit there called From Slavery to Freedom that will help you understand the enslavement of the African diaspora, as well as the history of the anti-slavery movement and the impact of 19th century activism on the modern quest for civil rights here in Pittsburgh. The History Center um, did just win a cool award, too. They're the second best history museum in the nation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that was in the um, it was the USA Today 10 Best Reader's Choice 2023 Award. Wow. Um, and the Children's Museum also got an award. Also second best. That's great. I love it. We're the yeah. second best ever. <laughs> yeah. Love to see it. Uh, next up is the same place, but different spot, the Western Pennsylvania Sports Museum. Pittsburgh was once the center of Negro League baseball. We had teams like the Homestead Grays and Pittsburgh Crawfords. You can see those all on display in the exhibit there with like a short film, memorabilia, a virtual tour of the Hill District's Greenleaf Field. It's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And historian David Rottenstein, a friend of the pod, just came out with a story on how the history actually overlooked an earlier one in Pittsburgh, the Central Amusement Park, which was actually the nation's first black-owned and operated professional sports stadium in the Hill District. Yeah, that was a great piece. We'll link that in the show notes. And, of course, there is the August Wilson African American Cultural Center and the August Wilson House. You can learn about the legendary playwright at the downtown center and his recently renovated house in Cultural Hub on Bedford Avenue in the Hill District. This week actually marks the grand opening of the August Wilson Archive with the University of Pittsburgh Library System. It's pretty neat. Yeah, cool. What is in those archives? Well, it was donated to Pitt in 2020 by Wilson's widow, Constanza Romero Wilson, and it's huge. 450 banker boxes full of photos, playbills, wow. paper napkins with scribbles, <laughs> handbills, advertising poetry readings. Pitt archivists are actually still cataloging it now. And I'm reading from your newsletter now. Um, you can go to that grand opening today from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Hillman Library in Oakland. And we have to talk about our city's rich black music history. You can't actually go in it yet, but did you guys know that the nation's first African-American opera company is in Pittsburgh? We did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course you guys know. Um, but tell us about it. Yeah, so the National Negro Opera Company was created by Mary Cardwell Dawson in 1941 inside of this Queen Anne-style 
mansion on Apple Street in Homewood. She was instrumental, you could say, in making wow. <laughs> in making classical music more accessible to black audiences. Unfortunately, it sat neglected for a long time, but major renovations started last year. So you can drive by it too. The building itself is so intricate and beautiful despite the state it's been in. Yeah, I can't wait to see it restored. Yeah, and obviously there's so many more places throughout town, uh, but this is a good start to get you out there in the city this weekend. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our team this week included Elizabeth Kalma, Francesca DeBecco, Morgan Moody, and me, Megan Harris. Music is by Benji. We're going to be back on Monday with more news from around the city. We'll see y'all then. Keep on learning. (laughs) It's like, keep on scratching. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 